McLean Middleton Minutes, a podcast dedicated to business, legal, and community news in New Hampshire and Massachusetts. You'll hear about all things legal and how they affect business. You'll also hear from local business and community leaders sharing stories of their success. In law and business, good things often take time. So, without a minute to spare, let's get started with McLean Middleton Minutes. Hello and welcome to McLean Middleton Minutes. I'm your host, John Weaver, an attorney at McLean Middleton. My practice focuses in part on data privacy and information security. Today, I am joined by Annie Cho, an associate attorney at McLean and one of my colleagues in the Privacy and Information Security Practice Group. Annie is the holder of CIPUS Privacy Credentials, making her incredibly well qualified to opine on privacy laws. And today, we will be discussing vaccine passports, a hot topic in privacy law. So, Annie, let's start with some basics. What is a vaccine passport? So a vaccine passport is documentation of either your COVID vaccination status or negative test results. And the purpose of this is for it to be easily accessible from your phone or in an alternative printable format. Uh, Is this supposed to take the place of the paper version that everybody gets when they get vaccinated? No, it's supposed to be used either in conjunction or instead of, but it's not going to replace the paper version. The concern with the paper version is that there have been reports that it, they are forged or easily lost. So this is supposed to be an alternative, especially if you can access it via a QR code on your phone. So uh, how does it work exactly? You mentioned a QR code on your phone. How does that QR code get there? What do you need to download in order to take advantage of that? So for states that have implemented a vaccine passport, such as California, Hawaii, um, and New York, you, you go to a website on the internet or from your phone and you input your personal information, such as you know, your, your name, um, your birth date, um, and your vaccinate details about your vaccination, like the date that you were vaccinated. And then these vaccination portals are connected to the state public health department. So your personal information is cross-referenced and verified with the state public health records, and then which they will verify your identity. And once they can verify that you have been vaccinated or you have received a negative COVID test result, then it will populate a QR code from your phone or your computer that you can show to demonstrate that you have been vaccinated or you have received a negative test result. How do you get that QR code on your phone? Is there a separate app that you have to download? It's emailed to you? Yes, you um, have to download an app and then that QR code will populate from the app. Uh, And now you, you mentioned three different states, Hawaii, California, and New York. And uh, my very basic understanding of this is that they each use a slightly different model in terms of how they collect your information and then make it accessible to you on your phone. Yeah, that's right. So New York, for example, has implemented an app that they are using to for, um, for people to gain access to Yankee Stadium and Madison Square Garden. Those venues are requiring a negative COVID test or proof of full vaccination. So what they're doing is there is a web page that you can go to either on your phone or your computer. You input your personal information and they will, and then 
it will generate a QR code that you can access from your app that you can show basically with your ticket when you enter those venues for a Yankees game. Uh, is um, I don't I don't particularly want to go to a Yankees game as a Red Sox mm-hmm. fan, but I, I appreciate the need. Um, is did New York State set this up itself, or is this being done with a private vendor? No, this is actually set up with um, a, a program that was created by IBM. It's called Excelsior Pass. Um, so basically, New York contracted with IBM to create this for New York residents, and that actually brings me to another point. Um, these apps only work for people who have been vaccinated in the state of New York, which is similar to California, another state that has implemented um, a vaccination passport system. But the difference is that the California system was created by um, the state. So they created some a sort of similar program where people who have been vaccinated in California can enter their information, personal information and um, vaccination information into a portal and they can also have a a QR code generated on their phone to their to verify that they have been vaccinated. And so that there I mean those two systems sound relatively different with the key difference being that California's is homegrown they developed it themselves and New York outsourced it to a, a private vendor is that that a fair statement? Yes. Um, but in both cases if you are if for some reason I want to go to Yankee Stadium, God help me, uh, I would have to, I, would I be able to do that? I couldn't do that through their portal because I'm not a New York resident. How would I, how would I be able to get into Yankee Stadium as an out-of-state resident? So Excelsior Pass is used as one method to verify your vaccination status. You can certainly still bring your vaccination card or a printout of your negative COVID test in order to gain entry. This is just supposed to make it a little bit easier for those who are New York or vaccinated in New York or had their COVID test done in New York to sort of expedite the process since they are um, most people that enter these large event venues are very used to having a QR code scan for tickets, for example. So, okay, I was just about to say that exact example, that it's basically in the same way that you can now have your tickets on your phone, you don't have to fumble with the paper version. If you're in that state, if you're a resident of that state, you can use a QR ticketing system for both your tickets and for your vaccination status to get in more quickly. Correct. But that doesn't mean that people who are not vaccinated in New York or did not get tested in New York can't enter. They just have to provide um, other um, methods to demonstrate that they're vaccinated or they are tested negative. Uh, is Hawaii using this system as well? That's the third state that seems to have adopted uh, a vaccine passport system. So Hawaii is a little bit different. Hawaii is actually using the vaccine passport to monitor entry into their airports as it is a very popular tourist destination, especially for Americans who are now fully vaccinated. Um, this is actually similar to the system that is being used in the European Union. But basically how it works is if you are planning to travel to Hawaii, if you do not produce um, a negative COVID test or you are not fully vaccinated, you either have to quarantine for 14 days or you need to take a test at the airport. If you And if you want to bypass these, then you need to upload um, your negative COVID test or you need to upload your vaccination card to a Hawaii portal and there will be Um, Hawaii public health officials that will verify these records and they will let you go through the airport 
and continue to your vacation without having to take a test or quarantine. So if you've taken advantage of the Hawaii uh, vac- uh, vaccine passport system, before you get on the plane, you upload a PDF uh, or of your uh, vaccination card or your health records indicating that you've been vaccinated. A Hawaiian public health official will verify that so that when you're in the Hawaiian airport getting off the plane, there'll be somebody there that can check, you know, look at your ID, match that with your corresponding record in the Hawaiian system and verify that you, you have, in fact, been vaccinated and can proceed. Is that, that basically how it works? Correct. I believe that Hawaii might also have some kind of QR system where you can mm. show that on your phone that you, know, you have you know, fulfilled all the requirements and that you're free to go. Are there other states at this time that have that are considering the system or that have uh, adopted it? Uh, it? It's been somewhat controversial in the United States. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are a number of states that have specifically said we are not doing this. Correct. So um, Florida is one such state that has very strongly come out against the passport. They actually have a ban on vaccine passports in that state, which is creating some tension with many of the cruise lines that dock in and out of Florida. So states such as Florida, Arkansas, North Dakota, they have specifically banned the vaccine passport, which sort of is an inconvenience if you are an American resident that wants to travel there because these um, vaccine passports can only work on the state level. Um, The federal government has actually declined to say one way or the other how they want to go. They are not specifically banning it, but they have said that they're not going to implement a federal vaccine passport, probably due to the fact that about half of the states have actually said that they will not be implementing one. You mentioned cruise lines, which are, of course, private companies. How do the passport vaccine passport systems interact or, or have they been adopted by private companies? Have you seen very much evidence of that? I have not seen evidence of private companies implementing vaccine passports. However, states um, such as Massachusetts and New Hampshire, where McLean Middleton is based, those states have not specifically banned the passport, which means that private businesses would be open to implement some form of that um, for their employees or any customers that enter their premises. So in Florida, um, the CDC has come out and said that um, cruises are allowed to resume if they follow certain guidelines. They are, the CDC hasn't specifically said you can operate only if X, X percentage of the staff and customers are vaccinated. However, cruises, um, as a business matter, they want to do that and they want to um, have their customers there provide documentation that they're vaccinated, which is why they would like to use some form of vaccine passport. But the Florida governor has banned the passport, which is why there's tension. I want to get into some of the risks and recommendations in a little bit. We are, of course, lawyers. Risk mitigation is a big part of our job. But I want to get into the last jurisdiction that you mentioned that we haven't talked about yet, and that's the EU. Could you talk a little bit about about the system, the passport vaccine system, sorry, the vaccine passport system that the EU is adopting? Sure. So the EU is actually um, implementing this sort of on an entire EU level, which is very different from how it's happening piecemeal in the US. So the EU um, has begun to implement a system where any member state would be able to verify another member state's vaccination status. So let's say I am in the EU and I am a 
resident of Hungary. Then I could upload my, my vaccination status or COVID test results onto that portal. It would be able to be cross-verified by every member state in the EU. And this obviously is still in process. I believe maybe about eight states are ready to do this right now, um, but there has been buy-in sort of all across the EU. This is meant to um, make it more easy for EU residents to travel across member state borders. Um, currently the borders are closed and this is supposed to be a process in to open the borders again to EU residents that have been fully vaccinated. So the, the GDPR is the one of those prominent privacy regulations that exists in the world. Um, I would imagine that this sort of system triggers a bunch of issues that are GDPR related. Has there been much conversation about what states and public health agencies are, are doing with regard to that? So there, like I mentioned, this um, system is still in implementation process as you know, most people sort of across the world are very eager to resume traveling or you know, whatever they did pre-pandemic. There hasn't been a lot of discussion about that yet, but I would imagine that especially in um, the EU where multiple member states are going to be buying into this process, there will soon be a lot of discussion on what is happening with all of this you know, personal and health information that is being collected for potentially any EU citizen that wants to cross borders. Yes, I, I suspect that there will be a lot of GDPR discussion once people get over the sheer joy of just being able to move around more again. Um, and I, I'm and I, I think that those people will be quite public with their concerns and the uh, the relevant supervisory authorities in the member states of the EU will also um, take a public role in that too. Let's go back to the risks and recommendations. You know, what what should be we what should we be looking for with regard to risks and recommendations to reduce risk? So if you are an individual that wants to use these New York's Excelsior Pass or California's portal or Hawaii's, Hawaii's entry into the state portal, then I mean, I think one thing to consider is that accessibility and risk are correlated. So obviously these sorts of programs are used to make it easier for you to provide information about yourself so that you can gain entry into an event venue or a state. Um, but I think the one, the thing that consumers should consider is that the more accessible it is, that means the more accessible it is for everyone, including people that you don't intend to access this information about you. Another um, factor to consider is that because vaccination or, oh, I got, a, I got a COVID test, those sorts of conversations have become very common. I think that there could be a risk of fraud in, in light of, you know, this commonplace banter about, oh, I, I can't join you because I'm feeling really terrible after my vaccine, for example. So those, that kind of information can be used by bad actors to, I guess, gain entry into different states or venues. And then another factor is that New York's um, past have explicitly said that there are third party programs that they're using to process this data. Um, and that means there are more, I guess, parties that might be involved and have information about you. When they say third parties, do they simply mean IBM because they've contracted with that third party? Or is the thought that there could be other third parties that will have access to the data? 
So IBM's um, Excelsior Pass portal says that there may be other parties that access your information. We don't know what those third parties are. It could be IBM. It could be any vendors of the New York State or IBM. We just don't know. But the more parties have access to your data, the more you know, likely that there might be a breach somewhere. So that's just something to consider. And I think um, on the consumer side, those are sort of the risks. But on the other hand, you know, if you are a business in Massachusetts or New Hampshire, for example, I, and you want to, maybe you, you operate a business that is very high traffic and you want your, your customers to verify that they have been vaccinated or they have received a negative COVID test. A one recommendation is to ensure that your vendor is going to safeguard this information that you're going to be collecting about your customers in you know, an appropriate way that um, your contract protects you in the event of a breach and things of that nature that you should consult an attorney to discuss. Do you know if the, the California and Hawaiian systems for their vaccine passports, is there a similar language permitting or giving no, uh, notice that third parties might have access to the data? Is that I, have, I have not reviewed a California and Hawaii in particular, but I would imagine that Hawaii would have that simply because um, that is not a state-bred system. Um, Hawaii has not disclosed, you know, how they implemented this program, but I would imagine that because travelers from anywhere can use this portal, there may Hawaii may be utilizing some vendors on their back end to know, verify that the documents that are being provided are, you know, accurate or not fraudulent. It's a, um, a, an interesting difference between U.S. privacy law and EU privacy law that there would be much more attention paid in the EU about that third party clause, right? That yes. in the U.S., as long as you give some token notice, companies have quite a bit of leeway outside of a few specific jurisdictions to do quite a bit with personal information. Um, uh, and can distribute it to third parties with a, a lot of flexibility, whereas in the EU, it's much more limited. And it, it's, it's interesting that the New York terms of use includes language like that. And I'm curious to see what, you know, what comes to light uh, about that, if that causes problems for anyone in the future. Yeah, I would, um, I would anticipate that California, with its very robust um, privacy law, would probably have, you know, some more robust you know, notice and consent language in before you can use um, their portal. But I think one thing to keep in mind is that these vaccination passports or other similar programs are sort of limited with in relevance. So what I'm getting at here is that when this is only applicable right now when there are restrictions to travel to entry based on the ongoing status of the pandemic. So when when um, this situation has sort of resolved itself so globally, these restrictions will no longer be relevant and vaccine passports will be a thing of the past. That's a, a really good point. Is there an expected timeline for, I mean, has any government come out and said, we're implementing this now, but we expect it to be, we expect not to use it by X date? I believe that the EU has tentatively said a July 2023 but um, of course, 2023 or 2022? Oh, 2022. Sorry okay. about that. Um, but of course, that really depends on, you know, 
what happens with respect to the COVID pandemic kind of globally. Yeah, I guess that's uh, July 2022 in some ways is an optimistic viewpoint that they put it out there and said, well, if we have a, a good fall and a good winter, we won't need this by the summer and we'll get rid of it. If the numbers go up in the winter the way they did last winter, they might keep it around until July 2023 or, or whenever it is. Of course. Yeah. I mean, we're all hopeful that um, this pandemic will be under control by then. But I think any estimate that any entity could give about you know what when these restrictions will be lifted is sort of a big question mark. So one more question. Now, we were talking about risks and recommendations to reduce risk. Do you have a sense for what California, Hawaii, and I suppose IBM are doing in terms of information security and privacy controls around the health information that they're acquiring as part of the vaccine passport system? Well, I would imagine that they would have um, contractual language with those states to protect that information, but those are, I'm not privy to that information. Okay. Well, Annie, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time to explain what a vaccine passport is and how it's being rolled out. Uh, anything, any last words of wisdom for people listening to this with regard to vaccine passports? One thing to keep in mind, though, is that for those 20 or so states that have declined to ban the, the vaccine passport, that means it opens the door for businesses to implement their own form of vaccine passport should they decide. And that is one thing to keep in mind. So we may be seeing more of these vaccine passports in states that haven't banned them like Massachusetts or New Hampshire, particularly for ones that require traffic, human physical traffic coming into a building to um, receive services such as movie theaters or shopping malls. Uh, and organizations that are looking to implement their own vaccine passport systems should probably consult a lawyer before doing so to make sure that they comply with relevant state and federal privacy and security laws, information security laws. Absolutely. So that's, that's all the time we have for today. And okay. thank you very much for listening. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to McLean Middleton Minutes, a production of the McLean Middleton Law Firm. We invite you to share this podcast with your colleagues and friends. Check back soon for additional episodes. Thank you.